taste in dulling the gloss of the leather by rubbing it with saliva. The shoes should look polished but not new. New shoes might draw attention. By the frog pond, a woman on a slatted park bench held a handkerchief to her mouth, balled up in her fist. Her eyes were watery. Ricky stopped to offer her the stiff, new handkerchief, tri-folded in his jacket pocket. Here, he said. I'm all right. Go on, I don't use them. It's just for show. Ricky gazed up, granting her the privacy to mop her nose. Who would do such a thing? The woman sniffled. Ricky looked down again, and he detected a shy grin at the corners of her mouth. Smile, he thought. Go on. Who would do this? Go ahead and smile because who could deny there was a little secret pleasure in it? Kennedy was dead, but they had never felt quite so alive. All these nine-to-five suckers, all the secretaries and waitresses and Edison men, it was as if they'd all been drowsing for years, only to snap awake here together inside this great day. Ricky thought that if he wanted to, he could explore this girl for information. Where did she work? Did she have a key? Was there an opportunity there? She was available. Probably she felt a little intoxicated by this feeling of nowness. Until today, she had never felt so thrillingly present in each moment. It was a limitation of human consciousness. We live only in the future and past. We cannot perceive now. Now occupies no space a hypothetical gap between future and past. Only an exceptional few could feel now, athletes and jazz men and, yes, thieves like Ricky Daly. And even for them, the sensation was fleeting, limited to the instant of creative action. Cousy knew the feeling, Miles Davis, too. The boundless improvisational moment. Today, this girl was experiencing it, and she wanted to share the experience even with a stranger. Well, Ricky figured, it made sense. Kennedy's murder was exciting. It was a good day to work. Castro, she decided. That's all I can think is Castro. Maybe. I messed up your handkerchief, I'm sorry. Must be expensive. It's okay. I stole it. You? Oh, she smiled, appraising him. You're very nice. What's your name? It's a long story. He left her there. He walked on through the public garden. His breath made little clouds in the cold. At Arlington Street, the doors to the church were propped open. The interior was warm and eggshell white. Through the open doors, Ricky could see an organist, a young man with flushed cheeks and a lick of blonde hair that flopped in his eyes until he flipped it back with a toss of his head like a horse. The young man played in a sort of rapture. His eyes were shut. His torso swayed expressively. Ricky walked on, west through the back bay, in a series of zigs and zags. On the residential side streets, he turned each corner, stopped, and looked back for a good long while. 
He hadn't noticed any tails, but you never know. Even on a day like this, with everyone smashed by the news, cops included, it was important to maintain your technique. At the Copley Plaza Hotel, a doorman in a long overcoat with gold braiding and epaulets held the door. Good afternoon, sir. Afternoon. Ricky took care to glance at the man only for an instant. He moved quickly through the lobby, but not too quickly. Purposeful, proprietary, calibrating his movements to the room. He had a finger man at the front desk who gave Ricky a nod. On the house phone, he dialed room 404. No answer. He sauntered into the oak room to wait at the bar for 15 minutes to be sure. A guest might go back up to his room for a forgotten item in the first few minutes after walking out, but he almost never returned once he'd been out for a quarter hour or more. Ricky made a point.